Welcome to the Zanbergen Report, where wealth strategies and investment wisdom collide, featuring your distinguished host and certified financial planner, Bart Zanbergen. Welcome to our show of Dream Chasers and Wealth Makers. We are thrilled to be back in the studio today with another episode of the Zanbergen Report. I'm proud to bring in the movers, shakers, and difference makers who are passionate about sharing what they have learned and what you need to know today. And today, I am pleased to welcome Carrie Gladys, who is going to talk to us about what it's like being home with our kids <laughs> and how we can, how we can help the homeschool. <laughs> Carrie, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be on today. And before I drop out, I have to have Bert, Bart identify you. Are you where are you from? And are you a dream maker, a difference maker, a star maker? What was he has a whole list of uh, people he brings on the show here. So where do you fall into that spectrum? Well, I'm Carrie, and um, I am from Southern California here in San Clemente, California. But I originally am from the great state of Wisconsin, uh-huh. and I would say I am. Well, I have big dreams, <laughs> um, but I also try to make a difference every day in the work I do for educators, students, and parents. So that's kind of my passion and my why. And and before we before you go too far away, Paul, um, and obviously Letitia's here too, so just say hi to everybody. Hi, hi Letitia. And I, I'm and, so excited for today's uh, podcast more than ever because as this new evolving reality, I can't wait to get your advice. <laughs> and only because only because it's so much fun, and I, I get the feeling that that someone is listening live that's related to you, Carrie. Only because he knows we're going to to um, probably make fun of him, which we're going to start with right now. So, Paul, do you remember the gentleman Todd Gladys who yes. worked for the um, real estate auction company? And I think you guys went to the same university. Yeah, he was an ex DJ. You remember? Yeah, he was an ex-DJ. That's right. In fact, he went. Yeah. I think he went to the University of Michigan, and he had been yeah. at the student uh, station that I ran back in uh, back in the days right when radio was invented here, back in the 1920s. Well, the good news is he can't <laughs> defend himself right now. <laughs> is married to him, and so she is going to um, show him up. Good. <laughs> and, uh, why do women always get the last word? I hate that. <laughs> So just as more of a proper introduction, Carol, I'm going to let you talk more about your company, but you're the CEO of Empower Reach, an education consulting company whose mission is to empower each educator, student, and parent. You're also an author of several resources on blended learning strategies, and you have a master's degree in urban education with an emphasis in teaching English as a second language from Florida International University. Um, and a Bachelor's of Science uh, in Elementary Education. So you are, for sure, a professional educator. Yeah. Can I ask her one question before I drop out here? This we got so many people, I'll try not to talk here. What is urban <laughs> education? What do you just teach people that there's a city? And, yeah, there's a city over there. And Okay, we're going to teach you another one. What is urban education? I can't imagine what that major is. Um, so we really looked at during that um during my master's program, it had a really a big emphasis on meeting the needs of students in urban settings and and really as well had an emphasis on involving parents in education and how to um, ensure that there was a great partnership between school and home. And so that was kind of that was the focus. That was the focus of my master's thesis. And is it different teaching? To this day, 
neighbor. Is it different educating in the urban environments, I guess, because of, you know, you're talking about poorer urban inner city schools as opposed to suburban schools like I went to and probably Bart went to? Oh, Oh, definitely. I think that there's um, there's always, there's there's greater challenges and there's greater equity issues that we experience in these urban settings that um, need to be addressed and teachers need to be equipped to tackle and take on on a day to day basis. Definitely. Well. Uh, one of the reasons that we uh, decided that Carrie would be an excellent guest today is, um, as we all know, we're going through some unprecedented times, and and many of us are are working from home because we have no other choice. Many of us are home with children because we have no other choice. <laughs> if we had another choice, we might not be home with our children right now. Uh, and so Carrie um, has offered some tips for those who are b- working pe- parents and who um, are, are kind of forced to be now school teachers at home. As a sidebar, we've been doing the show for two years. My wife has not listened to one show. She is always interested in hearing about it. And she always asks me who my guests are going to be. And when I told her about this today, she goes, oh, I'm listening to this I'm show. I'm tuning into this one. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> exactly. So, Carrie, um, you, I, I know that, that I think that you kind of maybe work from home sometimes anyway, but uh, your life has probably changed a bit as well, correct? Oh, definitely. Definitely. Um, I have to say that that as much as, um, you know, I've been an educator in education for over 20 years, I have to say homeschooling my children has been a humbling experience. <laughs> so yeah. I am in the trenches with you. I thought I was a pretty good teacher until I had to homeschool my children. <laughs> um, Tish is very quiet right now, but I know that she's also going through some um, perhaps humbling experiences as a, a very educated person herself. So we're all going through it. Um okay. So what, tell us, give us some ideas, some tips uh, as to what, what you're, what you're doing or what you're recommending. By the way, just so nice, you have two, uh, young rambunctious boys. (laughs) Yes. They're ages, um, six and three. And so, um, so I think the first lesson I learned was there's a really a reason why we don't put a six and three year old in the same classroom together. Um, <laughs> my my three year old is the original Zoom bomber. <laughs> We've had to change our homeschooling location thanks to him and and use door locks and all sorts of things because he wants to be very engaged in all of the Zoom classes happening in our home. So so uh, so yeah, it's been it's been a great experience. I'm there's days that I love there's days that I want to pull my hair out I'm sure like most parents but I'm really enjoying it but first I want to say parents educators and students you all are doing an awesome and amazing job Um, you have risen to this challenge in in a very short time you know teachers have really um, just worked and educators in general leaders teachers have worked in, in a matter of days and, and gotten thousands and hundreds of thousands of students online and learning online with very little disruption to learning. And parents have been their partners in this. And I think that just that um, has been the most heartwarming thing throughout all of this is to see how parents and educators have come together for the best of kids. And so um, I, 
I don't know if parents are necessarily and educators are giving themselves the credit they should. And so you're awesome. You're amazing. You should tell yourself that every day <laughs> and that you're doing an amazing job and you should celebrate it every day in your own way. So I, I have a quick question for you. My, uh, I'm the grandpa in the room here and I have a, uh, a six-year-old grandson and then a brand new grandson. And my daughter is obviously at home with both of them trying to balance the same thing, a newborn and a six-year-old or, you know, not in the same space here and they both have different needs and the challenge she has is how much do you tell them about what's going on like my grandson really can't get why he's not going to school he knows there's a bug out there and everybody's got to stay home and you know be careful you got to wash your hands more but they don't really want him to see too much of the the scary stuff How, how much do you share and how do you explain all this you know, I, I probably reinforce more just with a couple sentences when the questions come up, um, but I let those kind of organically arise, but I don't make it a habit every day to talk about it um, unless we're like, well, why can't we have a play date or why can't we go out or um, why can't we do something? And so, um, but really, um, I haven't had that many questions from my children about it, um, but I've kept it very simple. I've tried to explain how, um, how the virus spreads so that they understand that. I mean, so my six-year-old understands that, but my three-year-old really doesn't understand what's happening. He just thinks it's cool that dad is home, mom is home, <laughs> brother's home, and he gets to kind of be part of all of it, you know? By the way, yeah. is Dad tweeting by chance, Paul? Just keep a lookout because he's probably we'll going to be tweeting we'll, we'll us. We'll keep like, checking there. Bombs. <laughs> yeah. um, so, but that's actually a good question, Paul, because um, Tina and I wrestle with what to say too. And Tina used the word bug. There's just there's bad bugs, and we're staying away from the bugs. Tish, are you doing something along those lines or different? Or are you are you giving more information? Your kids are a little bit older. I think I'm giving I'm giving my kids a little bit more information just because. My children are the ones that put everything in their mouth, and so we're really trying to <laughs> encourage oh, them geez. to keep their hands out, you know, off of their face and out of their mouth, and really trying to be a little bit more, you know, respectful to their their space and their body. And then also the other thing is is wasting. So, at, at, you know, I don't know if you guys are ever going through any of those things, but when it comes to eating, my children like all different meals and all different things, and right now with all of the food being limited and the ability for us to go out to the grocery store anytime we want, it's just made things a little bit more humbling at home. So we've talked about it a little bit more for them saying like, hey, we can't waste and being more aware of it in that regard, not necessarily mm-hmm. going into the details about the depth. And how old are your kids, Letitia? I don't, I don't remember. Yeah, yeah, no. So I have a six-year-old and a seven-year-old. Okay, so kind of in that same age range. Everybody's in that, you know, Mm -hmm. early first, second grade kind of stuff here. Kindergarten, first, second grade, somewhere in there. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. All right, so Carrie, so what what are, um, I don't know how you've prepared to to talk about this, but do do you have some, like, points or, um, like, steps? What's your process? What? Yeah, so I have some help tools that I've learned along the way, um, but you can also ask me questions too, but I've thought about some things of, of how we've kind of figured some things out and what's kind of working for us and some lessons that I've learned that hopefully will help everybody um, listening as well as I did some research and looked at what other educators were recommending um, as well from some um, articles online and, and brought those to share too. Oh, awesome. Can I start with a question? 
Sure, please. Okay, cool. So what I wanted to know is how do parents balance working and educating <laughs> our, our kids and as like a schedule during the day. So then that way you don't overwhelm yourself. You don't feel like you're disappointing your kids, but you also everyone has a sense of the schedule. What does that look like? So I personally have found it for me to be easier if I time block. So if okay. I am, um, if I'm educating my son, I kind of try to do that for a portion of the day. And then when I am working, I try to do that for a portion of the day. And that sometimes then extends into the evening hours. Um, some people are working, waking up earlier. I know I've got colleagues who are waking up earlier and getting up before their kids. Um, and then they're doing it at the beginning of the day, homeschooling for a chunk of the day, and then going back and working. Um, some who have theirs more independent um, are working alongside their their child. My son is not independent. Like for the most part, I pretty much have to sit there. And even when I do get him started on something independently at this age, those activities last about 10, 15 minutes. And so I'm needed. So it's really hard to get into a flow. So I'm just kind of trying to be chunking it and we kind of knock out the, the schoolwork. And then we take a break, and that sometimes our breaks extend for a while so that I can get a chunk of work done, and then we'll tackle the school work again. And then, and I try to be done by 2.30 or so, so that, I, again, I have the rest of the day. And then a lot of times my husband comes into the home at that point and takes over so then I can start working as well. Um, so that's kind of how we've been doing it. I don't find waking up earlier is beneficial for me because my kids have what I call a mamadar. And the minute, like, I step out of my bedroom, they hear it, and they're up with me. So it doesn't really, I've never been able to, like, the minute or the minute I crack open the laptop and start to, like, work on something, there's a child there. <laughs> right. So um, let me ask you a so question. Kind of divide and conquer that way. Let me ask you a question. This is what a, a serious question my daughter posed to me. We had a really long talk about this past weekend. She's got a newborn, takes a lot of attention, uh, and she's got this six-year-old who's a great kid normally, but he's been acting up. He's been acting out. Uh, maybe it's because there's a new baby in, in the house, but partly because he likes going to school and he's very fidgety. You know, and, and mommy can't spend all day with him uh, like he'd like, and he can't go out and play with friends and do other sorts of things here. And so he really was struggling to do his homework, which he normally doesn't do. And she found that he doesn't think of her as the teacher. You know, he can go, oh, mom, grab, and, and, you know, I want somebody, he can come up with a thousand excuses not to do this. And she suddenly had to shift gears and become a teacher to him in a way she hadn't been before she'll help him with the homework but now she's got to crack the whip and you got to do this at three so she found the only way she could do is to actually like ring a school bell and at two o'clock they go to school every day whether he likes it or not so i don't is that is that uh, typical Uh, how do parents make that transition to being a teacher and not just be their pal or their parent and do they have to do it on a, a timeline or whenever they feel like it or can fit it in You know, I think at this stage, I feel like everybody has to kind of find what works for them. When I first, um, when the first day we started distance learning, I had this great schedule, time block, everything laid out. 
And I threw it out the first day. And I now call it, I now yeah. what I call the survival schedule. <laughs> right? And, and partly because, you know, my husband's work and my work, it changes day to day as well. So we, to have specific times when everything occurs just doesn't really work for our home. And so I feel like I went back to like the lessons I learned when I became a new parent. Um, I took this parenting mm-hmm. course through the new mom school in Newport Beach and, um, and she, she encouraged us to find our daily rhythm. And so I was like, oh, we need to find a daily rhythm. That doesn't mean everything occurs at the same time exactly every day, but you kind of have some general routines and structures that go on, but they may, but it comes with a lot of flexibility and fluidness um, to accommodate for your child's needs as they occur. Because even I have found that as we're, we're now in week three, and as we are into this, almost really in the fourth week, and as we've gotten into this, obviously the novelty of going to school at home has worn off. Um, you know, I feel like we need breaks more frequently. Um, Obviously, I'm not the teacher, so that he acts differently with me than with that he than he would with his teacher because obviously, you know, he's not going to regulate his emotions in the same way he would as if he were in a classroom with his teacher and his his fellow students. And so, and of course, then it's the fact that they're closed up with you and with you and been with you 24/7 for the last three and a half weeks, and they they you know kind of grow weary of that as well. So. I think that as things have changed, you know, I've just tried to keep that schedule fluid a little bit and and we don't always take breaks at the same time every day. I really just monitor him and see and when we hit that point where like I think he's frustrated or he's um, this morning it was like 8.45, we were already throwing a pencil. So, um, <laughs> you know, at that point I'm like, break time. <laughs> we all... Mommy's gonna go get a second cup of coffee. So let me ask all three of you. <laughs> let me ask all three of you another question here. This was my advice to my daughter, and she went, "Oh, Dad, that'll never work." Um, do you need to create a space and place for the classroom rather than in front of the TV where they want to be, or at the kitchen, or you know wherever they play? And I said, "You got to take them out of the play zone and create a little work zone for them somewhere in the bedroom or someplace." And I don't know. Is that a dumb idea, or has anybody tried that? I I have found that um, that it has been helpful. I actually have changed our location. Um, initially, we were in a corner of the house that was off of the main living area, and um, that was too close to the main living area. And so, as we, especially as we started Zoom classrooms, I needed to have doors that closed and. Um, so I set up his desk in his bedroom, and I, I think it helps because then when we do have a break, we're actually leaving that physical classroom space, exactly. and that almost like gives us a mental separation, and we move into another part of the house or outside, and we do something different, right? Um, and so it almost feels like, oh, there's a classroom, now it's recess time, we come back. Um, so it gives kind of that um it kind of just helps the brain a little bit make those transitions that was my theory is that they got to feel like there's some place this when i'm in this space that's what we're doing this isn't a time to play this isn't time to watch tv or the ipad or whatever what do you think guys letitia and bart have you do you just still teach them at the kitchen table or in front of the tv or or have you tried to create a little separate space their little classroom well 
Speaking for me, um, I haven't been teaching. (laughs) (laughs) Come on. That's why you need to get home and get in this right now. (laughs) Myself in my home office and just pray for the best. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) But uh, your wife hasn't, I mean, I'm assuming he does his homework or whatever she does with him. She has regular places to do it. I'm saying create a new space. This is the classroom. When you go in here, the bell rings and, you know, you're supposed to act different in the classroom. Just like trying to do your homework in front of the TV. I just never thought that worked. What do you think, Letitia? So for me, um, we always used to limit screen time in our house, and it would be more of a something as a reward. Now everything is switched over to screen time, which is a very different, very exciting for my children. So for them, having, you know, an iPad or computer in front of them that they have access to do their Zoom videos or some of your... Some of their activities are print out, but we're really, like Carrie said, we're in week three. So the teachers are really in, in like online mode and they're, they have a lot of great resources for the kids. So they're now um, doing more that's online based. So that's more of a shift for us as, as where we're, they're sitting in their space. You know, I think it's relative. My children are still young, so I kind of have to hang out with them and make sure that they're staying focused and on task. So I don't think it really would matter exactly where they're at. It's just as long as we're kind of coaching them along the way. Yeah. And I find also there's been times when I've, you know, changed that space. Like I'm trying to give a lot of choice um, throughout the day. That seems to help motivate and help us move along. And so, um, so with that choice like sometimes I choose well do you want to do it here or do you want to do it over here you know so um so I give choice around usually we get a list we have specific times we're meeting online with the teacher but then we have a list of assignments that he's doing and working on independently or with my support throughout the door throughout the days and and even my little one who's in preschool has some activities and things like that as well and so um, I, I give them choice. I'm like, do you want to do this first or do you want to do this first? Um, just to kind of help with that intrinsic motivation and help them feel a little more in control of, of the situation. And that seems to be working well as today. Today, my son was like, oh, I want to finish all my work this morning because I really want to be able to do X, Y, and Z this afternoon. I'm like, great. That's perfect. <laughs> um, and so, you know, we really kind of worked together and collaborated and, and got it done this morning. So um, other days he wants to do a chunk in the morning and a chunk in the afternoon. So it's been, um, so I've tried to offer that flexibility in that and giving him those types of decisions when, when possible. Carrie, are you are you following point. a program like are your are the schools giving you like online courses? Or are you doing your kind of doing your own thing? No, no, we have everything. Everything our full day is is pretty well structured in terms of every day we get through Google Classroom. We are getting um, assignments to be completed across the content areas, and then in um, and then in the special areas as well, our music, PE, technology, and then we have. Um, and then twice, um, then at least once a day at two, we're meeting online Zoom with the teacher to close out the day. And then she's doing on Monday, Friday, the whole class is getting together. And then she's doing small group instruction in the morning on the other days. So, um, so yeah, so we have some kind of anchor points in our day that we have to be present for. And then, um, and then the rest, kind of the middle of the day, is fluid. Hmm. 
let me ask the 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 sixty four thousand dollar question, and that is. Are all these kids, I take it none of these kids are going to go back to school this academic term. So this morphs into summer break, and then they come back in the fall, uh, assuming there's no other problems here. Are they all just going to move up a grade? Are there, is there a final test? Can you flunk during this period of time, or is everybody just move on? You know, I think that um, every district, from what I'm looking at, you know, kind of globally, every district is looking at their own grading procedures um, at this time and how they're going to grade. Um, I think that um, the assumption is everybody will be promoted, um, that would be promoted, you know, normally um, through this time. I know that we're still getting new curriculum, you know, we're still working towards new learning objectives. It's not just review, but there are other districts who are doing just review. So um, it just depends on the situation. I know that my son's school already is looking at, you know, what's going to summer school, what can summer school look like to maybe close any gaps that occurred during this time in terms of the prerequisites that they would need for the next school year. And I know other districts are already kind of looking at that too, as long as summer school um, can happen, or what does summer school look like in terms of distance learning if it can't happen? Because do you all think, uh, honestly, do you think they're getting the same level of education? I know everybody's really trying, really, I, I get it. The teachers are working under severe circumstances to make this up. But at the end of the day, are they still getting the same quality of education, or are they going to need extra makeup time or be behind in the fall where they're supposed to be? You know, I think that I guess I would say I don't think we should stress about it at this time. You know, when we look at a child's academic career, it's this is just a fraction. And I feel like kids are learning so much through this experience as well. Things that we don't even realize they're learning right now. And and there and kids learn through things that even that are maybe not structured academic activities. They're learning through play. They're learning through the games they're playing, the books they're reading, their conversations at home. They're learning soft skills um, through this process. And, and they're getting probably a very big global perspective at the same time. Um, our high school students are learning about exponential growth, right? Um, so I feel like <laughs> in a realistic, authentic way. So. Um, so I, I think that's, I think that that's some of the pressure parents are putting on themselves, and and I would say that um, I feel like it will work out. <laughs> and, I can tell you, and, I, I will tell you, Paul, that my, my all my fingers are crossed that my four-year-old will pass pre-K to make it into K. <laughs> yeah. <Anyway. laughs> all right. Is it is it touch and go? We don't know. All right. <laughs> we, uh, we don't know. <laughs> what do you what do you think, Letitia? I know you're very serious about your kids' education. Are you have any serious doubts that they've been shortchanged during this problem that they didn't cause and have no control over? Or are we going to be just fine, like uh, your guest is saying? You know, I think she has great wisdom. And one thing I think in my opinion, which is, I don't think parents may be taking in consideration, they might be getting more attention because they're getting more one-on-one with you, with one of the parents or mm-hmm. a couple, you know, a couple, a smaller group. And so they're getting more time to ask the questions and talk it through. So yeah, is there time that they might be in front of the computer just working through things, but they might get some more attention. And at the end of the day, you know, 
I, like Carrie said, I was stressing out about this whole situation and being able to keep up with the amount of work that all of the teachers were putting on our children and us and being able to get it done. But I kind of let it go. And I just said, I'm going to do the best that I can, and that's what I'm going to do. And we have to also understand that this is a global situation that we're all going through together. We're learning together. And I just kind of loosened up a little bit and then just made learning fun for the kids. And when we had time to do it and not not be as, like you said, I had a schedule in the beginning and then I just threw it out the window and asked the kids, like, hey, what what works best for you? And we sit down and my daughter, I, I work with her in the afternoon and my son, he prefers that I work with her first, him first thing in the morning before we have breakfast. And so it really just depends. But at the end of the day, I think they're going to pass. They're in first grade and kindergarten. They're going to be fine. But I think but nobody fails first grade or pre-K. I mean, yeah, but, uh, but Paul, I, I am, but we're I am spending ready more time to reading, like first right? year. So you have no idea when you said, oh, you're kind of into education, right? Which is, <laughs> Isn't she? She really that, is. That is a, if you had any idea. <laughs> a little understatement kids there. Kids are involved with that school. <laughs> Yeah, well, math I, camp and reading camp and science camp, <laughs> but so will we will we have to make well. up time for the you know because initially they thought well if it was a week or two that they would just extend the school year but they're obviously not going to because this is going to go on for months <laughs> and so they're just going to cancel the school year and then we come back in the fall and then these kids behind you know they're on a they're on a track here you know. Paul, they're totally do. My children are doing curriculum. They have a lot of work to do and like. Carrie alluded to. I think her children are doing the same thing. School districts are on it. Well, Bart oh, is. Just kids are already at. She's studying tenth grade. <laughs> yeah, right they're, now, so exactly. They're they're, 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 got, they're got some time to slack off here. They're fine. <laughs> <laughs> well, anybody that needs help, Bart is at a home office, and he's happy to open the doors to any kids in the neighborhood that want to come over. Bart's tutoring service, right? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey, um, Carrie, hey, Carrie, do Carrie, you have well, any how, like? Um, Oh. How can people reach you? And are you um, are you a resource? Can can people reach you, or do you have materials or resources yeah. or website? What's what's yeah. what would you recommend? So so um, a you can reach me at carrygladis at yahoo.com. You can email me. Um, you can find me at carrygladis on Twitter. And let's spell that. How do we spell that? There are lots of ways to do Carrie and Gladis. I can only guess. <laughs> Yeah, so um, Carrie, K-A-R-I-E, Gladys, G-L-A-D-I-S, at yahoo.com. And then the same spelling for Twitter, at Carrie Gladys, K-A-R-I-E-G-L-A-D-I-S. And you can tweet out to me. I'm also on LinkedIn, so we can connect via LinkedIn. Um, Those are kind of my two main professional social media accounts, but... um, um, in terms of resources, yes, I can be a resource. I'm happy to do online teaching. I'm happy to do professional learning for teachers. Um, I spend most of my days um, tra- when when school is um, in session and when we're, when we're in brick and mortar buildings um, learning. I spend most of my days on site in schools and districts providing professional development to teachers. Um, in this day and age, we're looking at I'm starting to do that virtually. So I'm happy to provide virtual professional learning as well as provide support to Sign parents. Me up. So, um, Sign me up. 
<laughs> and when does Bart's summer school start? I just want to get my my six year old in there early here. I know it's, a class is going to fill up. So you mean the summer school that I need to attend? But Carrie, as we get towards the end here, actually, pass in. Paul's been very generous here with his time. Um, I have you. the honor of asking my clients the final thought question, and that is, what is your ultimate lesson learned during your career? I'm going to say both as a parent, married to your husband, and as an educator. <laughs> you know, oh, goodness. Wow, that's a deep one. That's a lot to sum up in one thing here. Yeah, right. You know what? I'm going to say this, and I think that um, it, it was a quote that resonated with me, but your relationship and the relationship with kids is our first priority, whether you're an educator, a parent, um, during this time. And so, you know, while we are, while we are concerned about kids still learning and growing through this time, um, it's really important that maintains that, that is still our first priority. And uh, a superintendent of schools, Joe Sanfilippo, who's also the author of Hacking Leadership, said, we can't do this wrong if we stay connected to kids, if educators stay connected to families and families stay connected to educators, um, and so we just, as long as we're staying connected, um, I think that we will truly, truly come out of this and, and really almost in some ways could potentially be better for it, right? And, that is uh, fantastic. That's a great, so thank you, Carrie, for that. Now, an even more important question, what's your guilty pleasure? Mm. Ha- oh. Having her kids go to school, that's the new guilty pleasure, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, let's see. <laughs> besides, uh, yeah, besides uh, being an education geek and geeking out about education a lot. Um, so my guilty pleasure is, I would say, and my husband would probably back this up, is the Hallmark Channel. The Hallmark I, I Channel. That, okay. Right. Yeah, yeah. The sappy is, stories of uh, some woman, some so, uh, romance, or yeah. You know. The the part that gives no, me great I'm joy is do you force him to watch it with you? Because oh. that would give me so much joy. <laughs> <laughs> you might want to see the fifth here. <laughs> the lost love finding lost love at Christmas or the uh, or the holiday uh touching tale of uh <laughs> Yeah. I like feel good things and I'm an uh, I'm an optimist, so I think that Plus, like, they're all very um, similar in structure, so I get a lot of work done. In front very of them. similar in structure. <laughs> <laughs> like the same story over and over again. You can be, like, working on something, and then you can look up, and you still know what's happening, and you can go back to it. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Carrie, thank you so much for taking time out of, we know your busy day, because you're teaching kids, you're taking care of the house, you're doing your job. Um, so thank you so much for taking time. I think this is going to be great information for our audience. Yes. Well, thank you for having me. It was an honor and pleasure to be on here, and I am available and and would love to support where I can support during this time. And um, and thank you again. Great questions, great conversation. I learned from all of you today too, so it was fantastic. Great. All right, Paul Tish, thanks for uh, joining us. Thanks everyone for um, tuning in. We look forward to being back in studio next week. Cheers. Tune in next week for the latest edition of the Zanbergen Report, Tuesdays at 2 p.m. Catch up on our recent shows by visiting bartzanbergen.podbean.com. 
The Zanbergen Report is also available on iTunes, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. Interested in being a featured guest on our show or have a question you'd like to hear us answer? Email podcast at bartzanbergen.com. Bart A. Zanbergen, CFP, and Letitia Burbaum, AIF, are registered investment advisors with Optivist, Inc., and registered representatives with Gramercy Securities, Inc., member FINRA and SIPC. Investment advisory services are offered by Optivist, Inc., under SEC registration.